And welcome back once again to the Endurance Hour podcast. Back alongside Kona coach Wendy Mater, Dave Erickson here. Glad to have you with us for episode 402. So Wendy uh, was involved with a triathlon yesterday. And you go, how is Wendy involved with a triathlon when she can barely walk after her knee surgery? Wendy, you were an angel for some triathletes. What were you doing last weekend? Yes. So I think swim angel is the best volunteer position for me because I'm a swimmer and a lifeguard and that's what I like to do. So a swim angel is someone who is in the water and we're we're spread out. This happened to be a quarter mile course. It was an all women's event and it's one of very few events that allow swim angels. Um, But what we do is we, we line the course. There's usually like a kayaker with a lifeguard and then a swim angel and then a kayaker swim angel so we're kind of alternated around this little quarter mile course, little to me, and we help anyone who's in distress. So we're not necessarily there to save them, although we do have a rescue buoy, one of those long red buoys. And if if someone needs help, then we're there to kind of do what we need to do, encourage them, motivate them, call a lifeguard if needed, if they were in like serious distress, then we would have to call for extra backup help. But I actually got to help two women get around the course. And so there were two women who really were not strong swimmers. And they asked me, can you stay with me and kind of get me around the course? And so to me, that was very rewarding because I got to do what my strengths are is help others, you know, get through the swim part portion of the course specifically and being a strong swimmer myself, you know, I, I was kind of swimming back and forth, you know, getting people who were going off course, you know, because I was able to swim quickly to get them back on track on the course. So it's about a, you know, we're in there about 15 minutes before the start. We're all lining up. So we're just treading water. I happen to, you know, take advantage of the opportunity to aqua jog. And mm-hmm. then um, and then we're out there for probably an, another 30 minutes from when the the, the race starts. What are you, are you on a, 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 your own little boat? What are you? No, we're not... just, we're just resting with the um, rescue, with the rescue tube. Okay. Okay. So that, that well, that's so nice to have. And uh, we have a couple of uh, all women's triathlons in our area. One is called mm-hmm. Wonder Woman, which I love. It's uh-huh. a great, I think it's an Olympic or maybe there's a couple distances, but mm-hmm. uh, my wife did that when it came around uh, a few years ago. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And then I get there early, like the, an hour or hour and a half before the race starts. And I'm just kind of roaming throughout the transition area, helping people if needed, you know, just answering questions. Usually there are a lot of questions about the swim start and, you know, what the water temperature is. And um, that's kind of fun. Again, it's, this is the second year I've done it. It's a Georgia multi-sport event. And so I kind of, you know, always let them know I'm available and not everyone feels confident and strong to be a swim angel. So I'm always the one that says, yeah, swim angel anytime. Nice. Do you uh, get a, a little swag for that? Is there anything special? Um, you get a swim angel cap that actually says swim angel on it. And then nice. just a volunteer shirt. And we're allowed to stay if we wanted to. We could stay for the post-race food if we wanted to. Um, but I happen to be having, I was really tired that day. So I'm like, I, you know what? I did. I stayed a little longer and just did my own little swim. Took advantage of being in open water. And then I'm like, I want to go home. I, I need to go home and lay in bed. My knees were achy. Everything was just kind of not, I was kind of having an off day. So I just came home and just kind of took a really big recovery day on Sunday. It felt really good. Do you also get a entry for next year's event? 
Um, they give discounts. So anyone who volunteers, I may be able to get an entry. I, I can't remember if it's just discounted entries or they actually give volunteers an entry because I know another company here called Five Star Events. They say if you volunteer for so, for so many events, then they'll they'll pay your entry in the future. So it you know as a race director, as a previous race director, it can be really tough to get volunteers. And so mm. I want to volunteer, you know, when I can, because again, as a race director, I know how tough it can be. Yeah. And we used to get organizations like, like school organizations, um, high schools, cheerleading. Those were great volunteers, the cheerleaders. Um, and then we would donate some money to their um, cause. Great. Sweet. Yeah. Get that, uh, get that uh, excitement, that nervous feeling when being out there around triathlon. This is your, first triathlon i guess experience this year right yes yes because uh you didn't really do anything before the knee injury and then obviously the last uh how many weeks 15 or 16 weeks Eight, how long has it, was, it been it, it was 18 weeks ago today that i broke oh. my kneecap and then yeah. friday will be 17 weeks post-op just mm. some of those numbers i keep i keep checking off yeah. the box every week yeah um you know so i'm in the water it's very warm it's nice and mm. Um, you know, even though it was 7:30 start time, the sun can't, didn't really pop out of the clouds until about 7:15. And I'm looking at these women; they're all lined up. They started lining up at 7:15, so they had to stand there for 15 minutes. And then there was a little delay um, after 7:30. And I thought, I'm like, you know, no, you know what? I'm I'm glad to be the volunteer, and I not I don't want to I, I don't miss the pre-race nerves, mm. and I don't miss getting to the venue an hour and a half early waiting, you know, and especially a lot of those women, it was their first triathlon. And so you're there, you set up your transition. It's, it takes a lot quicker to set up. And because it's a women's only race and it's, it's fairly small, you're not standing in, you know, a 20 minute line to use the porta john mm-hmm. um, You're just kind of standing there. So when I was in that transition, when I got there, just kind of roaming around, I'm like, Oh my God, I just don't miss this part of racing. Oh. The, 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 just the race morning standing around. What do you do? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, yeah, I was, it was, it was good. It was a good, it was good though to kind of get back into that scene though. I really enjoyed mm-hmm. being around, um, some friends and just kind of getting back into that type of energy. Yeah. I don't think I've ever really been a, a person who's enjoyed or, hung out or soaked in the pre-race social experience. Uh-huh. I, I guess, um, maybe I'm just missing out on some of the fun of it. Uh, I just, I, I just prefer the racing and that experience. It's such a selfish sport because it's all about you and what you're trying to accomplish. And maybe I'm, maybe next time around, maybe the next chapter of my triathlon life will be, uh, the social part. I don't know. Just, uh, I don't know, just because I've done it for a long time, just like you have, mm-hmm. it's like, mm-hmm. I, I, I already know all that, those, all those things, maybe in the early days, it was more about, you know, watch, looking at other people, what are they wearing? What are they doing? You have the learning experience, mm-hmm. you know, what am I, do I fit in? Should I have this? Should I have that? And now it's just kind of almost business. Like, I don't know, maybe I'm just too, I was too serious. I've been too serious about it of do my thing. And people are. I don't know. It's almost a religious experience for a lot of people. You know, I'm here, I'm doing this. And it's like, whatever they, they share their experiences. I'm just not about it. I don't know. Like seems a little high schoolish at times of 
the false bragging about here's what I've done or I came back from this to be here today. It's like, I, I know, we all have, I guess we all have different, maybe I'm just being a snob about it right now. We, <laughs> we all have, we all have stories, but what you're making yeah. me think like back in the day, yeah. probably when I was, you know, I was pretty, I was competitive in the beginning, but, and it was, this was in the nineties when it really wasn't that big. And I was young and naive and I just, I just showed up to races and I raced and I did really well because there was very few women and I, I was young and I had no idea what I was doing. And it was fun. It was social. And it was just a really good workout. And and then, you know, throughout the years, you know, let's go on to the 2000s. So I started in 1992. So let's go into the 2000s when I was really at, you know, the top of my game, when I was really more internally competitive. Yeah. And, and, and I would just go, I was just there to compete, you know, and to just go, go as hard as I could get that, you know, age group award, whatever, and go home. But then, and then, and then later, you know, late 2000s, what are we, 2020 or 2023, you know, now we're approaching, you know, after probably two, 2015, probably after I moved to Georgia in 2016, when I started getting more into trail running, less, less into the competitive nature of triathlon, because I've already experienced so much. I started getting more social. I started going for mm. the social reasons. You know, I was in Georgia. I was trying to meet new people. I met some people. They told me about a race. I wanted to go check it out. It was at cool state parks. It was different venues. And, and then I was primarily going as a coach, as an athlete, as a coach, I was going to support that athlete. And I was also racing. But at that time, it wasn't necessarily about my race. It was about, oh, I'm going to go do that race because I have athletes that I coach racing and I want to be mm -hmm. there with them doing what they're doing and kind of experience the coach athlete thing at the end of the race. So, mm -hmm. yes, my 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 motivations, my feelings, desires of, of participating in races have definitely changed over the years. I think my, my mindset is still uh, evolving because I, I kind of look at reflecting is there's a lot of social posturing going on pre-race in transition. Oh yeah. And that's what I don't like. I don't, I don't no, care I've never for that. Liked, and I've never liked that. I'm not impressed by it. I don't mm -hmm. care that you've done this or because it's all talk. And mm -hmm. I mean, that's what it is. It's, it's what, it's what happens during the day. And then maybe afterwards and, and it's still some of that post-race uh, sharing depends on who it is. I don't want to hear it. And so if it is someone who I, I, I value mm -hmm. and I want to know, yeah, I'm, I'm looking for tips. I'm looking for strategies, mm -hmm. but for those who are just like bragging, like just to talk, it's like, ah, I don't really, I don't want to hear your story. <laughs> Some people I do because yeah. I want to know what they did and how they handled certain situations. Um, and you know how I can use that to better my experience next time. I yeah. think maybe it's my own maturity that maybe after this second chapter, when my second chapter begins, because uh, what is it? 98 was my first and last year was my last. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's a long time too. And I just need to take that break. And then depends on how the family evolves with the kids, what they want to do, mm -hmm. whether or not how I get back and expectations will be changed. But yeah, I think that social posturing is like, I just didn't ever like that of some people are too serious about it. Some people are all talk and, and no results and like, you just right. look like you're the athlete or you look like the triathlete with the, the fancy bike and the, the clothing and it's just too much bragging about 
who you are and what you've done. And it's like, yeah, you're not really doing the work. So right. I don't want to hear it. No, I agree. I agree. Cause I hear it. And I, and then I, I'm thinking these people don't know who I am because <laughs> I don't, because I don't talk about it all the time. Yeah. 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 And I'm like, this person's talking to me like I'm a beginner. Like I don't yeah. know what I'm doing. And I'm like, Okay, do you want to talk about 2008 right now? And so, <laughs> so sometimes I'll have to jump in there at the right timing. I don't just yeah to brag about myself, but right. sometimes it's just like, okay, let me put this person in their place and let them know who I am. <laughs> I've heard this about the uh, of people in in wartime. Those who have seen the most uh-huh. speak the less, the least. Yes. And those who talk the most haven't experienced life. And then that's just, you know, a war example. But if you put it into a triathlon experience, like, you know, those are, those are who are quietest. Maybe you want to talk to them because yeah. they're not here to, to brag, but those who are like, Oh, I'm talking, talking, talking. It's like, you're in your second year, you know? Yeah. <laughs> what have you done? And, uh, maybe you should ask more questions and listen more versus talk more. And yeah. I think that to me, maybe it caught me on a weird day, Wendy, but maybe in, in life, <laughs> it's the same kind of thing. Those who talk the most, have experienced the least and maybe those who are quiet over there, maybe you should seek out the people who have been around a while mm-hmm. and, um, humble yourself. Yeah. This is talking from a guy who's over 50. Yeah. And then you got the 30 something year olds who have it all figured out and don't need to ask advice from those who've been there, done that. <laughs> Anyhow, I, I got, I went to a 20th high school reunion last weekend, mm-hmm. uh, with my wife. And so I'm, I'm looking at, you know, just, it's interesting to see people who are 13 years younger than me and where they are in life. And it's like, I've been there, you know, I, I, I've been through my forties. You're not in your forties. You're not even in your forties yet. I've mm-hmm. passed through my forties. Mm-hmm. I'm in a new decade and to see the potential still, and also to see the, uh, the inexperience in mm-hmm. life. So maybe that's, that's why you're, you're, that's how you're catching me right now after a weekend. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I totally get where you're coming yeah. from. Context yeah. is, ev- context is everything. What you've just yeah. been through is yeah. going to dictate the attitude of where you're at right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, now that we've got that out of the way, the pre-show is over. Let's get to some of the, the feedback and questions from our athletes who are uh, on their journey. And, and we, I appreciate all of you who are leaving the feedback and, I'm on your side. Believe me, I'm on your side. This is a lifestyle for all of us. And even if you haven't done it for a while, you're you know, once an athlete, once a triathlete, always a triathlete, once an Ironman, always an Ironman. Okay. Let me, let me comment on that one. I, okay. I meant to comment on that one. We've had this discussion before about, are you still a triathlete? Even oh, though, have. even though you may take a break from mm-hmm. the sport mm-hmm. and I, 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 I thought about that, I think after this weekend or maybe in the last week or two. And I'm like, huh, um, I'm going to do a triathlon this year because I've done it every day, every year for 30 years. You know, I'm on, yeah. I'm on that streak, but then I'm like, I, I, I finally even in experiencing, um, not feeling like I'm a multi-sport athlete. I'm not feeling like I'm a triathlete. And I, I think I even told someone Oh yeah, I, I used to I used to do triathlons, and I caught myself doing that. I'm like I'm like, what do you mean you used to? You still will be. It's uh, just going to be with different expectations, with different pressures, with different distances. But mm-hmm. I definitely am someone who's going to say I'm going to find a race to do this year and, and check it off the check off my 31 31st year of doing triathlons. Like that's because that's meaningful to me. Yeah. Um, 
so yeah, that was just interesting that you just brought that up once a triathlete. Cause yeah. I was under, I was under the impression we had this conversation. Oh, of course, if you've done one triathlon, you are a triathlete, but it's, it's definitely a feeling and a perception that you, um, label yourself. It's definitely a, a I think a, a self thing to determine yourself if you feel like you're a triathlete or not. But yes, of course it should be. If you've done, a, if you run, you're a runner. Of course you are. If you've done a triathlon, swim, bike, run, then you are a triathlete. Even though you may be one and done, you should, you are still a triathlete. You know what? Now you put it that way. I think maybe you've grandfathered yourself in if you've done a certain amount or you've done it for a certain amount of years. Because uh-huh. if I look at the person, maybe a high school friend who did a triathlon 10 years ago, they did one, but they haven't touched the sport since. They don't even have a bike and they don't run with purpose anymore. Are they still a triathlete? Well, they did a triathlon. I'm not sure if they're a triathlete. Um, but if you've done one for, you know, if you've, you were in the sport for, you know, two to five years or so, does that mean you've now you're a triathlete? Yeah. I yeah. Mean, it's an if interesting you've done an concept. Ironman, yeah. I think you are a triathlete. Cause that's the big deal. Even if you've only done one and done, yeah, I'm a triathlete. I've done a triathlon. I've done an Ironman. Are it should be an easy, easy answer if you talk to somebody, if you know they're a triathlete, right? I mean, yes. should be no hesitation. Hey, I've met, I met Wendy, Wendy Mater, she's a triathlete. Or I met Dave, he's a triathlete. Or if I met, you know, Bob Johnson, he did one 10 years ago. Is he a triathlete? Nah. I mean, you should know the answer. It should come quickly, right? Right. So I've done one Spartan race. Are you this, a Spartan racer? Am I a Spartan racer? Mm, I would not, not consider myself a Spartan racer because I've done one and I'm not sure if that's what I'm going to pursue in the future. So yeah. I would not call myself a Spartan racer. I like the Spartan training plans, the training yeah. programs for it with the, with all the strength and stuff. And, um, but I, 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 right now I would not call myself a Spartan racer yet. So how many races would it take to become or be defined as, let me say, let me say an exterior racer. I've done three. And I've done one. I think maybe I am, or I have been. I'm not currently now, but I have done three. So does that make me an exterior triathlete? Maybe so. I think so. I've done one. I would never mm. ever, it then everyone crossed my mind that I was an exterior triathlete, even though I've done one, never well, would you, consider myself. Okay. One. And maybe I don't not, consider but, myself a Spartan racer, but I think maybe that when you get into maybe consecutive, like if I do a Spartan race next year, then yeah. maybe I'm a Spartan racer. Or if I do another one, I'm not going to do one this year, but Maybe if I do them on a, you know, somewhat regular yeah. basis, or maybe if I would have continued doing more Xterra on a, on a regular basis, not one every, you know, 10, 20, 30 years. I don't mm-hmm. know. Well, here's another one, just because we're on this little tangent or, or on tangents. Um, if you've never done an open marathon, but you've done Ironmans, are you a marathoner? Yes. Fantastic question. Maybe by definition, no, because it's within the scope of a triathlon. You're an Ironman triathlete. You're not a marathoner. People should know if I've done an Ironman, I've done a marathon, but I've never run a marathon. Yeah. So am I a marathoner? No, I guess. I'm going to say no, because I always, I would always lead off with, I did five Ironmans before I did my first marathon. Okay. Yep. I wish and I, I, and, we agree. And and, <laughs> and I felt I didn't feel like those. Yeah, it was just something I would, you know, I did five Ironmans before I did a, just a solo marathon. So I was not a marathoner 
during those five Ironmans. I was an Ironman triathlete. I wasn't a marathoner. (laughs) Labels. Labels and context. Here's a cute little smart ass joke. Someone says they did a marathon. You go, well, how was the, how was the, um, how was the swim and bike? Or I, I did a marathon or something about, uh, oh, that's cute. What, what was the, the swim and bike like? You know, mm-hmm. I, oh, I ran a, you know, a four, four and a half hour marathon. Oh, really? That's awesome. How, what was your swim and bike time? <laughs> <laughs> you know, from the Ironman snob, right? Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah? That's funny. I did, oh, I did one of those too, but I also swam a little bit before and then I ran and rode. Then I ran. Then I ran a four and a half as well. All right. If something else comes up, we'll, we'll talk about it. But let's go ahead and uh, uh, just one little feedback thing here. Um, you know, we we have triathlon programs on Training Peaks. Uh, Pavel, uh, Pavla, Pavla uh, recently purchased our couch to sprint plan. And they say it was their first event. They're new to running and new to swimming. And they really like the plan and the videos and they're excited, excited to get started. Oh, so they purchased the plan, get ready to do a, a sprint off the couch. Yes. Yeah. So again, when anyone purchases a plan and they leave me their email address, then I would usually follow up with a thank you for purchasing. You know, do you have any questions? And so yeah. she actually had a, a couple questions um, about training more, more or less how to use the Training Peaks app mm. and system. And um, it's just always great for me when people follow up with my questions and they they either say I'm doing this type of sprint or Olympic, this race in this date. And then a lot of times I'll say, okay, if I have any questions, I'll reach out to you in the future. Um, but I just always like to get to know people and kind of get to know what kind of people are purchasing our plans and why, why they're purchasing our plans and stuff like that. So I just thought that was really nice that you responded. Uh, here's another one, just kind of a thank you from Kathy who purchased the Couch 270.3 program. She says she's ahead of schedule, training for September half. Did a brick workout prepping for a July sprint. That'll be the first triathlon ever. I feel good, strong, ready to keep training and working towards my goals. Thank you for your help and guidance through the Facebook group and the videos as well. What's Kathy's background? Do you remember Kathy? Um, well, she's training for her first 70.3 and obviously her first sprint is happening. Maybe it already happened. We're in, we're at the end of July right now. So um, she's in our Facebook group and our Facebook group is a place that anyone can join. A lot of people who purchase one of our training plans on Training Peaks know about the Facebook group because I email them and I let them know mm-hmm. that they should join. And that's kind of where we post questions. We post videos that we're currently working on or videos that we worked on in the past. Usually at like the time of year where like I think it's really important, like it's it's really hot outside right now. So I go back on our YouTube channel and I'll look at some videos that we created talking about heat training, humidity, acclimatization, stuff like that, because it's just the time of year where everyone's, you know, feeling the heat. And so sometimes it's just nice to have a friendly reminder of how to handle the heat, you know, safety stuff like that. Um, so yeah, I appreciate her feedback and I'm glad she's listening to our stuff. This question from Braden, I'm looking at a 70.3 in 13 months. I'm committed to doing this and making my goals come true. However, I would really like to know your opinion before I get started. Is it common for someone who has never done a triathlon to pursue an Ironman in one year? Is it a good idea? This is something that I want to, but I need to know if my goals are unrealistic, at least within a year time frame from Braden. Coach? So Braden just contacted me about coaching this past week. So we actually got on a phone call and I wanted to talk about this question because I know a lot of people have probably the same type of question. So when you're training for an Ironman or 70.3, 
giving yourself, you know, 13 months to prepare, I gave them a lot of credit because some people jump into it and don't give them themselves enough time. I think you can prepare for one in about six months, but that's all relative to your background and your current experience and current fitness. So when I got on the phone with him and and heard, you know, he has a Peloton bike, he hasn't ridden it yet. He doesn't own a road bike. He hasn't been in the pool, but he's recently finished a half marathon. So we talked about, you know, kind of how do you know if you're ready? Number one, you have to have the desire. Um, Number two, we talked about some fitness testing, some getting some baseline assessments. And for him, I said, you know, just get in the water. Just see, see if you can swim, see what you're struggling with, you know, get, get on the Peloton and and see how that goes. And then go for, go for a couple mile run, see how that goes. Cause when you, you just start with something that you just need to start. And then you, you get that feedback from your body and mind of what it's telling you. Oh my gosh, I was struggling with breathing. I could only swim 25 meters or I comfortably, I just got in and swam a thousand and I felt great. Those are two different people, two different experiences, but having that, you know, assessment, just starting to bike, starting to run and starting to swim is a good place to start and then gathering that data. So my feedback also to him was if, if you told me tomorrow that you can't swim and that you can ride five miles an hour and you can walk a mile I still told him you have 13 months. You can be ready for the 70.3. So he's not Mm -hmm. doing a full Ironman distance, 140.6, but he's doing a 70.3. And even if he was doing a 140.6, I still think he could be ready based on those three assessments that he did today because he's giving himself a year. And within that year, it's important to set some short-term goals because a year is a lot of training and you can easily get burned out, especially if you're a beginner, because you don't know what you don't know and it could become a little overwhelming. So we we also talked about having those short-term goals, like running another half marathon or doing a sprint. Um, it's July. There's still time that he could get ready to do a sprint like in October at the end of the year um, and then plan some events in the early spring of 2024 as again, more assessment tools, get to know your mind and body of how it feels training for another event and then assessing how you do assessing your strengths and weaknesses as you prepare for the final goal of what he's training for, um, September of 2024. Yeah. I think structuring and breaking it up, like you said, and also having little, uh, benchmarks or reassessments every four months or every three months, I'm doing something very similar to, um, my my other hobby activity is is darts, playing darts, and I have a an event that I want to do well at in two years, uh, so I've got a 12 month a 24 month calendar in a way, and I'm breaking it up. I even put it on my little whiteboard of all the months and where I want to be at certain months, not where I want to be in two years, but where I want to be along the process. Mm-hmm. So for Braden, you know, where where is your time for your swim right now? Where's your spike speed right now? Let's make some small leaps, not leaps, but small steps toward a faster time in three months and then mm-hmm. see where you are and then reassess and then make a new goal for three months later yeah. versus where I want to be in 13 months. That's a big jump and hard to hard to take in and not be overwhelmed. Right. Exactly. Good question, Braden. 
This question from Melissa, there's a lot of things within this question here. I'm doing an Olympic in August. I would like to do a half marathon in September. How would you go about training for this? I was looking at an eight week half marathon plan, then saw your 12 week plan. Also, I would like to train next year for a 70.3 to hopefully be able to do a full Ironman the following year. And if I do more than 170.3 next year, how far apart should I space them? A lot in this one from Melissa. Can you do your best here, coach? Yes. So Melissa is also in our Facebook group. So she's part of our, she's connected to us. She's been connected to us for probably a year or so. Um, so what I told her, we're, we are at the end of July. So she has an Olympic distance in a month. And I know she's been, you know, she kind of gave me some feedback on where her training is. Her longest run has been about five miles. And so my advice was pretty easy. You, you follow, you continue to follow your Olympic distance training plan. I think she's actually doing one of ours right now. Continue to do that and then extend your long runs. So let's say in our Olympic distance plan, the longest run is maybe eight miles or a little less. It might be time-based. I told her, you know, you want to be at maybe 10 miles two weeks before your half. So she's doing the Olympic and then I think she has three weeks before the half. So I told her, you know, maybe do a 10 miler the week after the Olympic distance. If you can only get comfortable up to 10 miles, I still believe you can continue on with another three miles and get that 13 in. So it's just, you know, adding some volume mainly to that long run. And because of her swimming and biking and all that cross training, that's going to benefit her for that half marathon. I think right now you don't want to get into following an Olympic distance plan and an eight-week half marathon plan. That's two plans that have two different purposes, and that's not going to work for you. And a lot of people do that. I used to grab this plan and this plan and this plan, and, and I was all over the place when I started. And then for... 2024, again, I, I love that she's thinking ahead. She wants to do an Ironman in 2025, and we're in 2023. So she's got two years, and she's planning ahead. That's I'm so grateful that she's doing that, and she's not like, I want to do one in three months. So I suggested doing a fall or a springtime 2024 half and a fall 2024 half. She lives in Indiana. She told me some um, venues she's looking at. So I recommended you know Chattanooga 70.3 in May. And then um, Wisconsin, 70.3 in September because she lives in Indiana. And then, you know, you you kind of do a plan. You peak in May, you recover, you do another plan, you peak in September, you recover, you take all that data, all that feedback, everything you've learned, and then you you plan your 2025 Ironman. Yeah, that's a great because you were doing the same thing we talked about with a previous question of, you know, break it down, structure it throughout the next couple of years and stair step your way. Your fitness will increase and you're doing things that are specific per event and not yeah. combining events into one training plan. Yeah. Good question, Melissa, and welcome to the group a year later. This question from Gabe, I'm training for 70.3. I'm comfortable with my bike and run endurance, struggling with swimming. Someone in the pool suggested instead of going 1500 continuously, break it up into 15 by 100s or 30 by 50s with rest. Maybe I should also do that for cycling and running. What are your thoughts on using that philosophy toward the bike and the run? So Gabe reached out to me on Facebook Messenger. And so I followed up with some questions about like, is he even following a training plan? Because if you're following a training plan, hopefully it's a good one that's going to have your your details of your swim, bike, and run a little bit more structured rather than just be distance-based. But I also know if you follow a plan from beginnertriathlete.com, 
it's usually just a time or distance-based plan where it'll just tell you, go swim 1,500, go ride 20 miles, go run three miles. And it, it doesn't have any structure with regards to how to break up the intensity levels. And so I agree with the person who told him you should break up your swimming because he is a weaker swimmer. So he's when he breaks up that 1,500 meters into like 15100s with 20 seconds rest, he's going to give himself a break. And th that little rest interval will help him maintain a certain pace because whether you're experienced or advanced swimmer, swimming a continuous swim, you tend to slow down the longer the distance is. So breaking it up with rest intervals will allow you to maintain a pace and build some confidence and, and at least look at a pace clock or your watch and have an idea of what pace you're doing instead of looking at all at the end. And then we talked about um, he's not following a I don't think he said he was following a plan. So I told him, gave him some examples of how to structure biking and running based on gauging something with intensity, like using a heart rate monitor, pace, power, rate of perceived effort. So you do, you know, three minutes at a certain heart rate hard, three minutes at a certain heart rate easy. And that's that's the way how you gauge um, and you break up instead of just going to ride for an hour. You're, you're a little mm -hmm. bit more structured, you're a little bit more mindful, a little bit more present in what you're doing, and that's going to help you race day. Excellent. Good question, Gabe, and good luck with your training point, training for a 70.3. On a similar note, this question from Mark, zone question. I run with my heart rate monitor. Over the weekend, I ran a 10K, mostly comfortable in the beginning, and then my heart surged all the way to zone five around midway during an uphill section. I thought I'd had too much wine the day before, but then in the last 2K, my heart rate fell back to zone two and then even into zone one while running faster than I was during my zone five midway panic. What does this say about my current fitness level? Well, first I want to say if you are running uphill, it makes sense that your heart rate's going to increase. And depending on your effort running up the hill will depend on what how high your heart rate goes. Um, so if your heart rate went to zone five and, and you trust your heart rate zones, you, I'm going to say you were probably running at a decent effort up high, up, uphill, and that's why the heart rate increased. And then if the heart rate decreased, it's probably, and your pace was faster, it's probably because maybe you were running downhill and that would cause the heart rate to decrease and that would cause your pace to increase. Now we talked about it in another podcast about cardiac drift. Sometimes your heart rate will lag behind your effort and sometimes you're so lagging behind your effort, meaning you could be going really hard, but your heart rate's a little bit lower because it's, it's going to takes a couple seconds to catch up to your effort. Likewise, if you're kind of cruising, running easy downhill, your heart rate could still be high from the uphill part. So it's going to take an extra few seconds to lower, to match your effort. So I just want to stress the importance of, of monitoring your effort based on what your heart rate is telling you and looking at your heart rate and, and, and reminding yourself, okay, if my heart rate's at a certain zone, what is my effort? Because that'll actually, those two values of rate of perceived effort along with heart rate will give you a more of an idea of where your fitness is at. I think your fitness is fine. I think it's just a matter of learning more about cardiac drift and recognizing that when you run uphill, your heart rate's going to increase. And maybe it was super hot, you know, that that could cause it to go to zone five, even though your effort might have been like a zone three. I'm kind of guessing Mark wasn't that serious about the 10K from the 
night before of drinking wine, but <laughs> hey, to each their own. Well, and again, what happened again, context is everything. What you do the night before, how much alcohol you drink, how much that's going to impact your sleep. That's going to impact your heart rate. So your heart rate could be elevated the next day because, because of the alcohol, because of the lack of sleep. So even though your effort, effort could be low, your heart rate could be elevated due to recovery and just due to the effects of alcohol. So a lot, a lot of, a lot to, to manage. And, and again, the art of coaching is that we take all those variables into account when an athlete is giving us their feedback based on their data. One more here. This question from Aaron. I'm on week two of the beginner Olympic training plan. One question I have on the strength workouts. I don't see a list of the exercises. Do you know how I can just get a breakdown of the exercises? I've been doing 45 minutes of strength, but not using Training Peaks program for those. Thanks so much from Erin. So this is a great question. She recently purchased our, our beginner Olympic plan, and it could, it could be a question that other athletes have regarding her plans. So she's on week two, and in week two of that plan where I structured strength, it means that it's week two. They're supposed to do the same strength workout that I programmed in week one. So I reminded her the exercises are all planned out in week one, and I also have a video included on that describes the, the strength training phases and how to manipulate weight sets reps based on what phase of training you're in. So four weeks into the plan, she switches training phases of strength. And I describe that. And I, I, I believe I'll, I'll, I, I include a different strength routine in week four. But if I don't just do the same exercises and modify weight and reps according to the phase of the strength training you're in. Strength training is so relative to who you are and your experience that I don't go into great detail about strength within our plans, but I, I think it's important to include. And sometimes it's just best to do what you know and, and keep up with the program that you've done before because execution is so important. You don't If you don't understand something that I recommend, skip it, look it up online, send me an email, I can give you more details. But don't. it's important that with strength training you don't do what you don't know and don't understand. Just stick to the basics. Good, good answer. And thank you, uh, Aaron, for the feedback and everyone else from Mark to Gabe to Melissa and Braden. Also feedback from Kathy and Pavla for helping create the content for episode 402 of the podcast. Any final thoughts or um, plans for this weekend from you, Coach? Um, I'm going to do an event. I'm doing a 5K swim. Okay. And it's um, the Georgia State Games. I did it last year. And it'll be interesting because last year I did it, I was training for, I was training for Kona. So I was kind of in the thick of um, multi-sport training. And mm -hmm. I did the Georgia State Games. And it was just a really cool laid back event. It's um, about a half hour drive in Ackworth, um, State, Athwork Lake. And then uh, I'm just going to go do it to do. No expectations. You know, I've been, you know, you know, I started swimming, you know, roughly 10 weeks ago. And so let's just kind of see where I'm at and, you know, kind of reintroduce myself to doing an event that I can do successfully because I'm a yeah. swimmer and there's going to be no impact on my leg. So I'm kind of looking forward to that. Do you go in with that mindset, leaving the door open to be competitive if the mood hits you right? Yes. Yeah. I do because when I was swimming, when I went and volunteered at this triathlon at Lake Lanier, I stayed and did, you know, 
maybe about a 1500 swim myself just to, I haven't swam on, I've only swam on a lake once this year. So I'm like, Ooh, I, I should just stay and take advantage of the lake. And as I was swimming, I'm like, God, this feels comfortable. I, I'm going to be able to do the 5k at this pace and, and do relatively well. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, well, what if I kind of get caught up into my time from last year? Am I going to go into this thinking, Oh, I want to see if I can beat my time from last year because I'm in a completely different place fitness wise. I wonder if mm-hmm. I can, because I'm mm-hmm. a swimmer. Mm-hmm. So no, I'm, I'm, I'm going into it with, I'm probably not going to know many people cause it's just an open water swim event. It's a very small event. Um, I'm just going to go and I'm not training for any, you know, big triathlon. So it's, I'm in a different mindset than I was last year. I just want to go do a 5k swim cause I can. Yeah. But I, I do, I, I'm leaving that to myself. Just depends on how I feel. I do that sometimes when I, um, this year I've randomly went out on a nice day with my road bike mm-hmm. and I'll just go ride and I know there are segments around. And if I have the Strava segments, if mm-hmm. I have the headphones connected, I, I'll get my alerts say, Hey, a segment segment's coming up. Your previous time is this or your oh, best really? time is this. Yeah. That happens? A, you can, yeah. You can get audio alerts that will say oh, okay. approaching whatever, uh, uh, your time, your best PR. I forget what they say, but it lets you know what your PR is before. Okay. And then halfway through the segment, it lets you know where you are in time. Mm-hmm. So let's say hypothetically, it's a three minute segment and uh, your best time is three minutes. And then halfway mark, it'll say your time or half, whatever it says, it'll say minute 40. So I know I'm behind time, but if I'm below time, then I go faster to see uh-huh. if I can break the time or see how close I get to my previous PR or It'll let you know the king of the mountain time for that segment. The best time is, and here's your time. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then I leave the door open. Depends on how I feel. Right. Then I'll go for it. If not, it's like, ah, I'm not in shape, so it doesn't matter. I'm just going to ride this segment and see how slow I am compared to previous times. Now, that's interesting because I know people really get caught up in in the Strava king of the mountain stuff. And there's been times where I've gotten queen of the mountain and I, I have, I'm clueless. I'm like, someone will comment and I haven't used Strava since I broke my knee, yeah. but in the past, someone would comment like, congratulations on the queen of the mountain. I'm like, okay, I don't, I don't even know where, where I did it or what you're talking about, yeah. but that got me interested in understanding it a little bit more. So the fact that people can hear it and know, yep. and, and, and that's motivating them to say, let's go for it. Had yep. no idea that was an option. Sure. sure. Or I'll get a message that uh, someone stole your KOM. Um, doesn't happen very often to me because I don't have that many, but uh-huh. if someone did, it's like, oh, you get notified. So-and-so just stole your KOM by so many seconds. Uh-huh. And then same thing with you. If you get one, if you remember, they're getting notified that they okay, just lost yeah. it. Oh, nice. There's also uh, something called Local Legends, which I uh-huh. was doing a lot last year, only because um, Local Legends is, is you've, you've done the, the segment the most over a so many day period. Okay. So if I did this one segment, which is really close to my house, every time I leave my house, I cross it and then I come right, back. Right. So if I, if I, if I rode five days in a row, I have five segments of the week and I'll become the local legend of that segment. And it's really silly because some segments I can go back and forth just because they're a mile and a half. And if I was just doing that segment back and forth, I can, I can just tally up the, uh, the reps. Right. So how does Strava determine what a segment is? Uh, people create them. Okay. So you can go in the Strava app and, uh-huh. you know, put an in point and out point oh, and then name it and just name okay. it. I had no uh, idea. Uh, old men. There's one called old man something. 
uh, anyways, you go through it or it's a hill or a climb. It'll name it whatever the name of the street, mm-hmm. you know, the peon, you know, TT, whatever it may be. And then you can see everyone who has crossed that because you don't know sometimes that you've you're coming you're in a segment until afterwards right. because right. you haven't started because you uh-huh. don't it's not a favorite. It's a first time segment, so it doesn't really register. And then afterwards, then you have a record of it. Uh, you can create your own segment. Um, you, you can create your own little um um 40k segment if you have a, a spot where you want to create one just for your own sake or you know a, a hill climb there's you know mount spokane's nearby and you can, there's a bunch of segments on the way up that climb mm-hmm. and people will do short segments just because mm-hmm. it's a steep area just for like a you know a, a mile segment or mm-hmm. a half mile segment because it's so steep there's a segment nearby that's super short it's uh less than a mile or maybe it is one mile I think it's a good morning sunshine. I think it might mm-hmm. be called that. And I know my time. Every time I cross, like, ah, I'm not going to go up that hill. I'm going to take a left because I know mm-hmm. that's going to be a, I can't do it right now. It's not, anyhow. Yeah. So segments are kind of fun. If nice. You nice. Keep yourself open to the opportunity to go for it. Yeah. I like that. Especially if you have a tailwind for all of you, you people who want to work the system. If you have a tailwind, you know, the tailwind is some people will do that. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's a windy day today. Which segments up? I'm guilty of this. Which segments could I do? <laughs> it won't be true, but if there's a tailwind, maybe I'll do that segment just to knock somebody off the KOM. No, I I get it. Like like when I get back into training, to me that's something that I would want to do because I have no event goals in my future. But if I learn more about segments and in especially mountains like hill hill climbs, running or cycling, then I want to get one because it's a feel good thing. Like, Oh, cool. You know, like how meaningful is it is as meaningful as you want to make, you want to make it. But sometimes that it's a challenge, little, little challenges like that. Keep me going. So I, I might get into that once I'm making my running. comeback. Yeah, yeah. Same kind of segments, things with segments with running and what's, what's fun, which I've done and I like doing is you'll always get a PR because it's always a PR your first time you do a segment. That's your uh-huh. PR. Um, if you're out of town, you're traveling. I've been mm-hmm. to Montana, I've been to Hawaii, I've been to wherever, Arizona, and mm-hmm. I'll turn the segment on. I mean, I'll turn my Strava on and record the, the thing. So, excuse me. Then uh, then you got a new segment, and you can see who else has done that segment elsewhere. And a lot of races um, will have segments within the race. So mm-hmm. if you do the Coeur d'Alene full or Coeur d'Alene half or Arizona, whatever, those are segments that people have, like the entire event will be a segment. And then you can see how you did and see what the pros did, for example. Mm-hmm. Yeah, compare yourself. Yeah. All right, there's another little tangent out of nowhere, but thank you. Uh, Everyone, thank you so much for listening this week to the Endurance Hour Podcast 402. I'll see you back here next time. For Wendy Mayer, I'm Dave Erickson. Have a great week of training, racing, or recovery. Adios. Adios. Mm -hmm.